day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, coming to you live with the Aussie Pastor Drive program. Am I offside, Hunty? G'day, Hello. mate. We're apart again. We are apart again, and this time it's my fault. <laughs> oh, I don't know that it's your fault, but we True. seem to be doing a lot of radio programs apart at the moment. We are. What's happened this week? Well, I got a phone call from a very good friend slash close family member who's racing home from work because they've been a very close contact to COVID. And I spend a few hours with them on the weekend. So just to be safe, uh, the Aussie pastor and I, we're going to stay in separate parts of the world. You're over in Richmond at our new correct. radio studio. This is studio, our first is broadcast correct? from our first, sorry, our first broadcast from our brand new radio studio. How is it over there? It's beautiful. Be nice if you were here with me, but it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier doing radio. I'm, I'm at home uh, sitting down, um, but we've got used to this. What happened last week? Why weren't we on last week? So last week you were away dealing with some very urgent family care matters in Queensland, and no, no, just no, no, before no. just before the program, yeah, just before just before the radio program was about to go live, the floodwaters started to come back up. So I did a so mercy it dash. It wasn't, I want our listeners to be very clear. <laughs> it wasn't because I was away. That had nothing to do with it. In fact, we were ready to go just like we are now. That's, That's true, right. But I had to do a mercy dash out to our studio to lift oh. our TV studio. That is to get all our equipment up high and, you know, flood proof a well, little bit. Well, to make bit. sure we never got flooded again. And the amazing thing is we're sitting here. I'm looking out the window at my place right now, Hunty, in Sydney. It is a beautiful, yes. it is glorious. a glorious, yes. lovely uh, autumn day. That's These right. are the sorts of days you live for. And yep. yet we're hearing that in the next two to three days, it's going to pour down rain again. It just yep. doesn't seem to stop Pouring. That's right. Hard work. Indeed. Uh, in fact, you were telling me the other day that it's going to rain right through winter. Is that, oh, is that that's correct? the prediction that, that uh, yeah, my wife dug up. Yeah, no, we don't like that. We like, we need some, I don't know where you're listening to us in Australia from, but right now we need some beautiful sunshine for at least three months, no rain. Hey, let me Let's tell you. Let dry out. <laughs> Let me tell you about and, today's um, program. Oh, 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 he's trying to move us on again. Um, Hunty, yes. this studio you're in, yes. Are you? is that going to become a television studio too or is it just going to stay radio? No, I think it's huge. It's way bigger than we need and I think we will probably move our TV ministry from your farm out past Wiseman's Ferry. I think we'll move it here into North Richmond, closer to both of our houses and... I think we can probably get some savings with equipment if we have it all in the one room. Well, petrol to it. And petrol. $250 a litre. Um, <laughs> yeah. Making it pretty hard, isn't it? That's um, it. Now, before we get into uh, what's coming up today, and we have a good program today. We do. Hunty, um, uh, if if someone wants to get hold of us for the Aussie Pastor, now the Aussie Pastor is a segment of the program where you can ask any question you want. How do they do it, mate? Yeah, we have some great questions already in too. But if you'd like to send your questions to the Aussie Pastor, you can do it two ways. You can text them or SMS them on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, 
or you can email them to us, and the email address is info at aussiepasta.com. We have two stalwarts on the program today. We do. Heroes of the faith, I yep. can say that, yep, can't I? for sure. Uh, first off? Uh, first off, we've got uh, Harold Harker. And he's going to share with us amazing story of another incredible reformer, actually. This is, today's one of my favourite stories. And then we have a friend of yours. Oh, a very, very special he's guest. He's actually a very good friend of yours. He's a very close friend of uh, my family's and a great friend of mine, yes. And he's been to Russia. Who, 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 who are we talking about? Well, his name is Pastor John Carter. And why have we got him on today? Because he has been to Russia, I think, about 50 times. Yeah, in the last yeah. in the last well, recent he memory. might mm. I might ask him that and find out how many times he has been to Russia, yes, and Ukraine. But he's on specifically to talk to us about because he hasn't just been to Russia; he's been to Ukraine. Yep. And at the moment, most of us uh, we know that there is a war going on uh, between Ukraine and Russia at the moment. Not really going Russia's way, which is a bit of a surprise to me. I thought Russia would sweep over the top of them. But uh, it hasn't happened like that. And you've got John Carter, who is uh, an evangelist, a preacher. He actually is probably as responsible as any for the Seventh-day Adventist Church launching in Russia yep. after the Cold War uh, came to an end and the Berlin Wall came down pretty quickly after that. Uh, John Carter got into Russia and the Ukraine, so he knows both these people intimately. I think this is going to be an interesting interview. I reckon, because, yes. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask him some questions so we can better understand what's going on. So wherever you are today, we're glad you're with us. Stick with us for the next uh, hour and a bit. Looking forward to this program. Before we go any further, I just would like to pray. So let's now, I realise a lot of you in your car, so don't bow your heads. <laughs> but we're going to bow our heads in the studios and we're going to pray just, uh, uh, just for a moment. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We pray for your presence in this program, Lord, that people will uh, see you, will see how beautiful you are in the world of chaos and hurt and pain, they will see, I pray our listeners will see that you are still the answer. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song. No, news. News, news, news. Ah, I'm jumping. Hey, I've got some news for you. Guess what the yeah, news is you for you? Know why I, well, you know why I jump then, huh? I have no idea. <laughs> because we're doing a live program. This yep. is live. That's right. Um, we're talking Tuesday afternoon. It's about 3.40 p.m. or around about that time. And just as I finished my prayer and you gave it a little ding <laughs> my phone starts ringing. Of course. Now, I've got it on silent. At least I've, I put it on silent. <laughs> so that's my excuse for being out. Now, All right. got well, yeah, I've got for some news for you. This is a two-hour program, not a one-hour program. Did I say a one-hour program? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, when people ring me on my own phone, it's going to put me off. Probably feels like uh, four. What, <laughs> yes, what are we news. looking at today, Hunty? Well, we've got some very interesting news items, and one particular item I'm really excited to chat about. Uh, is that the first one, the cycle no, school holidays? the last one. Actually, I, I'm a little bit uh, disturbed about this. Queensland. Now, I was up there last week. I was, my mum is quite challenged at the moment uh, with her health. My brother, who cares for her, had gone to Bali for a holiday. So over, over two weeks, actually, my brothers and I have two other brothers, so three of us had to take our turn to look after mum while she was in Bali, while my brother was in Bali. 
Yep. Do you know, Hunty, it just pelted down rain up there, mate. <laughs> you think we've got rain, you see nothing until you go to Queensland. It just, I have not seen rain like I saw last week for a long, long time. And yet the news is telling us that in the next few weeks it looks like there's going to be two cyclones off the coast of Queensland and that place is going to just get pelted. It's <sighs> unbelievable, isn't Terrible. it? Terrible. When's this rain going to stop? Well, apparently it's going to... I mean, gonna... we opened up the program talking about yep. it, but it's not just us here in Sydney. Everybody right down the, the east coast, right, I think, to almost Eden, we're struggling with too much rain. When's That's it going right. to stop, bro? That's you're right. our weather. You're, you're the Aussie pastor weather look, reporter. Look, what look, are you saying? The reports are saying it's going to be a wet winter. We're going to have rain now for the next three months. Mm. I actually mm. don't mind the rain. It just bothers me that there's so much water in the ground. You go out to our studio, oh. the farm, at the moment. Range re- the, the 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 water's really high still, isn't it? I can't get I can't get from where I live to my car because I have to walk across the yard, and it's mushy and boggy and wet. And um, my, <laughs> my wife's taken to um, taken to putting booties, waterproof booties, on her feet to get from the house to the car. Yeah. Truth is, I haven't seen a season of rain like this. I, I'm not sure ever. Yeah, me either. Uh, sign mm. of the times? Well, El, Nen- El Nino, maybe. The, we- the weather's certainly not behaving as it, as it normally does. Mm. Um, mm. Our second news story today, Australia is about to do an early upgrade in their defence to both their uh, F, make sure I get this, I think it's their F-18 uh, or is it their F-22s. Uh, I think they're upgrading fighter jets and both of their them. planes, uh, and it's a three and a half billion high tech defence upgrade um, to their fighter jets, their planes, and their ships. Why are we doing this, Auntie? Because What's we the well, it's uh, security in the Indo-Pacific region. We are definitely looking to protect ourselves from potential aggressors and keep the peace. What's happened is they've actually ordered these J-A-S-S-M-E-R missiles and they're capable of a range of up to 900 kilometres distance. So they can go a long, long way away and they're putting some Norwegian-made naval strike missiles on their ships and they're doing it early. The bottom line is, I think, Australia is concerned with China. And the Uh, the good news for Australia is we've got a a growth industry here in in. GPS and satellite guided missiles. Um, is, our is our that, companies are in bed with Raytheon and other really high tech companies that are that are providing the science to guide these defence weapons. Is that a good industry for us to be getting into, mate? I think uh, fences make good neighbours, and I think a yeah. good a good defence force keeps our neighbours. I'm not sure I want to see Australia becoming a big no manufacturer of arms, though. Well, yeah, I hear you. There's there's a lot of countries already making some pretty savage arms, fierce armaments out there. We don't. Do we really want to be part of that? We're, surely, as Aussies, we've got better things to do than make arms. Well, all we want to do is defend our borders. That's all we want. We're not we're not out to attack anyone. Yeah, well, I hope not, and I pray not. But we're mm. living in a Pretty uncertain age, aren't we? True. Um, you know, when they when you see Australia, I think Australia's the twelfth biggest spender on armaments on the Army, the Navy and the Air Force in the world. Can you believe that? Wow. And you would wonder why we would ha- why we'd consider we'd have any enemies. We're we're not really a war like people, or perhaps we are, Hunty. 
I think the the Ukraine has has been targeted because it's wealth of resources, natural resources, and I suspect Australia because we have a lot of natural resources in our land. Yeah. I guess at some point we'll become a target. Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't mm. know. I, when, mm. when I see these things, it, it kind of just cries out to me end time scenarios. Yep. You know, totally. Um, and then you've got President Biden in our third news story describing Murdoch and news uh, as the most dangerous uh, media mm. company yeah. and Murdoch as the most dangerous man in the world. And I guess Biden feels like that because he's a little left of centre. It seems to me that Murdoch is a bit right of centre. Uh, and the reason I brought this story forward, Hunt, is I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the influence of the media on the way we think? I think it's in 2022. I think it's horrendous. Um, I think, think the, the manipulation. Well, I think too much influence. I think the influence is affected by money, and advertisers and political parties use money to get their their message out, and the media can be bought, and that's what worries me. So, if you're an ordinary Aussie, say you're a listener on this program, and, and I, I ask you this question because you are a techie. How would you suggest somebody find news that's reliable, or is it impossible? Oh, look, I think it's near impossible because everyone has an agenda. Um, I guess we we tend to trust the ABC here in Australia to be neutral. Do we? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I do? I actually read across a number of different media outlets from different perspectives, trying somehow to find the truth in amongst it all. The other yep. thing I think is really important is if you're a born-again Christian, you do have God guiding you. You do have the Holy Spirit inside you leading you, and he is going to give you some idea of what is truth and what isn't. I think that's also very helpful. Very helpful, indeed. Yeah. And our last story, good news story. I I, I I have kept to my promise, Hunty, yes. on these good news stories. It's this a ripper. LA. It's a ripper. The cops are being given money to give people prime to, to give to people primarily at fuel station. Now the Americans are complaining about their their fuel. Now I said we're paying two hundred and fifty dollars a litre. <laughs> That's not exactly true. It's close. I think we're paying. I think Hunty anywhere between a dollar ninety and two dollars twenty a, a litre for the for ninety eight premium. That's right. Um, which is pretty expensive. What are these cops doing in America? They're handing out money at petrol stations at servos. Don't you love that? I love it. That's a good idea. You know what? I, I did some digging to find out where the money came from. Did you know where yep. the money came from? No, I don't. I'm there's a there's a guy named Wayne Fortin, and he started a company called uh, TIP Trauma Intervention Program. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he started this company uh, with volunteers to deal with people who've been traumatized: fires, floods, mass shootings, or whatever. Yep. And he realised that emotional first aid and practical support to survivors was important. So he wow, started this nice. Pay It Forward program and he yep. personally put $20,000 into this um, this petrol station fund because he believes that if the police are seeing people in, in good times, like here's some cash, it'll, it'll help. Uh, build bridges between the police and the community rather than only see a cop when you've got a, a you know a murder or a car yeah. accident or something traumatic. It's a beautiful thing, really, isn't it? It is, it is, it is. And, I mean, you've spent a lot of time in America. You've even lived there for a little 
But what, what sort of relationship in LA, a place you know really well, what sort of relationship do the police generally have with the public there? Is it, is it positive, negative? Depends what rate, depends what race you are, I guess. That's a bit, that's a bit, that's a bit sad, but true. So there is tension there. There is a lot of tension. Yep. So the police giving out money at fuel stations to people who need it is certainly going to be a, a feel-good thing for a lot of people, isn't it's it? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, there are news stories today. And, you know, again, when I look at the... Uh, other than this, that beautiful feel-good news story, when you look at what's happening, the cyclones and the weather all over the place, upside down, when you look at little old Australia increasing its defence um spending 10, 20 times and more. And then when you look at the news and our difficulty in finding the truth, you know what it says to me, hunting? Mm-hmm. Look up and yep. look east because soon we're going to see Jesus come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song, Hunty, is a beauty. It is. It's one of my favourites. It's, it's got beautiful melodies, beautiful harmonies. It's actually the Gaither, and they started off as the Gaither Trio, but now there's four of them, so you'd call them what, the Gaither Quartet? Uh, quartet, there you go. Yeah, they are actually called the Gaither Quartet. This is just a beautiful song. Hear my song. song, Lord, you fill me with music, hear my words, Lord, you fill me with praise, take this moment, I just can't waste it. This one is yours, Lord, I give you this day. When I am hungry, you feed me living bread. When I am thirsty, Oh, oh, oh. 
welcome Harold Harker to the program again today. Welcome, Harold. Oh, good Lloyd. It's great to be with you again. Another fantastic story. Yeah, we, we had a wonderful story last week about Huss, and we wanted to follow up this week with his friend Jerome. Yeah, well, they were friends, and they met the same end, and he was another great guy, Jerome, uh, and he was called Jerome of Prague because that's where he came from. Okay, so well, he come from Prague. Can you tell us when he was born? He was born toward the end of the 14th century in 1379 or about then. So he was a little younger than the guy we talked about last week, Jerome. Just a, just a shade, but they were, they were mates and they were colleagues. Now, apparently um, Jerome was a fairly uh, striking-looking individual physically. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, he had a tall physique. He had a big black beard. He was impetuous in his personality. He was adventurous. In fact, he could have been just like Peter was, one of Jesus' disciples, always ready to shoot from the shoulder and straight out without thinking too much. Okay, amazing, amazing-looking guy and sounds like <laughs> would have been an interesting fellow to know too. Uh, tell us a little bit about his education because these guys, it seems to me, and I've said this to you before, they seem to always be really well-educated. Yes, they were, and uh, King Charles in Bohemia had started this university in Prague, and just like Huss went there, Jerome went there and got his BA in 1398. Would it be fair that he was probably initially studying to be a priest, a preacher? Yes, that would be right. Most of them did in those days. Yeah, so he goes to university, gets his BA, then he gets a, a leave of absence, I think it almost say, and he ends up in England. Is that right? Yeah, well, you see, Anne of Bohemia, he, she was married, went across to England and married King Richard II of England. Okay. And she would have taken some of her friends over there. And because she was there, uh, Jerome says, I'll go to England to study. And so he went over to Oxford University. And did he go well there? Oh, yes. But let me tell you, while he's there... He meets John Wycliffe, and Wycliffe oh. was the—he was the forerunner of the Reformation in England, and he copies his writings, and he actually brings them back with him to Prague. So Jerome comes in contact in England with Wycliffe and the early Protestant Reformation. That's right, and when he brings them back, he shares all these thoughts and the beliefs from Wycliffe. And the reformers there, he shares them with John Huss and others of students around the university. So let me get this right. It was Jerome who brought the Reformation to Huss. That's right. I never knew that. Wow. I always thought Huss was the senior, I don't know, theologian, pastor, the senior figure in this story. But that's very interesting. So Jerome brings the message back to Huss. Jerome lit the fire in Bohemia. Well, yes, he brought it back to Huss, and Jerome might have been the greatest scholar of the two, if you looked at it that way. He had a brilliant mind and did well in that area. Okay, so he never completes his degree to become a priest, though, is that right? So he actually never becomes a priest. I don't think so. No, no. So by 1413, still a young man, what's he doing? Well, he's now like a missionary, and from uh, the Czech area of Bohemia, he goes through Poland and Lithuania and other places, and he's spreading all this reform 
ideas from the scriptures and he says, you want to help these people back in Prague. They've got the real message. Yeah, yeah. So as he, as he stays in Europe, I, I actually heard, now I'm not sure if this is true, so I'll check with you, he never used to stay anywhere long because his message was what, a little bit controversial? Yes. It, well, well he's ob- obviously he's talking uh, from the scriptures and that's not in harmony with the church of the time. So every time he was there, he's outspoken, he's open and condemns the evils and the Catholics of the church of the day and he's got to move on. So he's condemning Catholic doctrine, he's, he's stirring up trouble, but he's also lighting a fire right across Europe. Yeah, well, he's, he's condemning Catholic doctrine when it didn't agree with the scriptures. Now, you said he was impetuous like Peter. I remember um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the story of Jesus, where I think it was Peter who took a sword and cut off the servant's ear. <laughs> That's right. Was Jerome ever known for violence? Yeah, he was obviously the principal organiser of all the demonstrations against the church. And this time he really became violent and he boxed the ears of a friar and once tossed an indulgent selling friar into a small boat and tipping him into the Voltava River in Prague. <laughs> I, I don't suppose that would go real well at my <laughs> church members I disagree with. No. Anyway, what kind of relationship did Jerome have with Huss? Well, he supported him. He preached with him in the Bethlehem Chapel in, in there. And then, of course, Huss gets the call to go down to Constance and Jerome says, okay, I'm with you. Okay, just before we even go there... Um, Jerome, do we know whether he was a good preacher or not? Well, he was a preacher because he uh, he would have, as he preached, people obviously either listened to him or he wouldn't have got an audience. So yeah. he must have got an audience wherever he went. He had to be an engaging speaker. So you've got this preacher, teacher, very well-educated young man, on fire, doesn't take a backward step, going through Europe. His friend, I don't know whether you'd call him his mentor because you're saying perhaps Jerome was a better scholar, but at least his friend um, Huss goes down to Constance to face the authorities the, the authorities of Rome and all the princes. Um, Jerome decides to follow him, which may not have been the wisest thing he ever did. Now, we remember, Huss had a safe conduct or a guaranteed safety from the emperor. Uh, Jerome didn't have that. So he's going at his own peril. If he gets caught as a heretic, he's going to cop it. But he sneaks into into Prague, uh, into Constance, just after uh, Huss gets there. Okay, so, so Huss is there defending the cause. Jerome is in town too. Huss gets arrested. What happens to Jerome? Well, he says, I've got to tell the people what's happening. And he goes all around Constance nailing inflammatory posters on church doors and public places. He's demanding a safe conduct pass and the right for him, Jerome, to speak at the council. So how do they take to that? Does he become an outlaw too? Or oh, what? yes. He had to clear out and he fled the city and he was on his way back to Prague. Yep. 
And, and what happens to it? So he gets out of the city. I kind of like this story because he goes in. This is typical fashion of this guy, really. He yeah. goes in, he stirs the place up, and as he has in the rest of Europe, realizes now he's gone as far as he can, and he's headed out of that city, probably on his horse at a flat bolt, and he gets captured. Is that right? Yes, he's captured on the way home, and they then bring him back into Constance. So he's in prison at the same time Huss is? Uh, just a bit after. He actually, uh, it was a, just after Huss had been uh, martyred, he's brought back in. So he's in prison. Would he have known Huss had been martyred? Yes, he would have known that. And I guess he thought, I could be next. So how did he go? Did he, I mean, he's impetuous, as you said, like Peter. Um, did, did his faith stand firm or did he fall over like Peter did? He fell over like Peter. In fact, he wrote, I am Jerome of Prague, a master of the liberal arts. In fact, he was a master from several European universities and said, I'll confess the true Catholic faith. And he thought, hey, this will get me free. But okay. no way. So he, he actually, he uh, compromised um, and didn't stand. So his, his friend Huss stands and goes to the stake, but Jerome didn't, eh? Well, at that time he doesn't, but there's a trial ordered for him. Yep. And they toss him in the local clink. So how long is he in there for? He's left there for about a year. And it was horrible place. It was atrocious. And so even though, even though he recanted his faith in Jesus and revoked the Protestant Reformation, he thought they are going to let him go, but they threw him back in prison. Yeah, and the stench, you know, no toilets, everything's in there for a year. Wow. So then and what happens? And will they finally then say, we'll bring him out to trial, and they quickly have a trial. They don't let him say anything, and they sentence him to death like they did Huss the year before. So what, Now, he'd compromised. How does he feel about this, and how does he face his, his time at the stake in that he had compromised? Well, now he makes his faith uh, sure again, but just like Huss, they stick a... Uh, crazy hat on him, a tall painted hat with devils on it. And as they take him there, he starts singing hymns in Latin and the Czech language as he's led to the stake. Okay, so he, he in the end stands firm. He does. Did he die brave? Yes, let me tell you this. The guy who had the torch ready to light all the, the stuff around him, he went behind him. And this is Jerome, he said, if I were a if I were afraid of the flames, I wouldn't have come to this place. Light the fire here, right in front of my eyes. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not or whether it's a legend, but I have heard this. Apparently the hand that he signed his confession on, he thrust that into the fire first. Is, no, is I, don't, I think that was one of the English guys in oh, Oxford. Wow. Okay, yeah. so that, but that might be a legend that Lloyd's... Yeah. It could have come there too, but, yeah. I might have to change my story in the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so he, like, like his friend um, Huss, Jerome dies in the flames. And it was a slow death in the flames. It didn't consume him quickly, and he's remembered as a martyr in the faith that John Huss had in putting Jesus first and the Scriptures first, and he's remembered just like John Huss was, for his faith at the end. And I guess you could almost say Huss and Jerome together were the 
fathers of the Protestant Reformation in the Bohemian regions and wider in Europe. That's right. And if you go to Constance today, you can see this big stone on one side. It's got Johann Huss and it's 1415. On the other side, it's Jerome of Prague and that's 1416 when he died. Okay. So you look at his life, died a reasonably young man. Um, What do you think his life can teach us today, Harold? Well, he was on fire for Jesus. He might have done things as we wouldn't, but he was on fire for Jesus and for the scriptures, and I think that's the message we can get from Jerome. Well, thank you, Harold. That's another fabulous story. I know you've actually been to Prague and and seen where they were imprisoned and executed and their lives. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been to Prague and I've been to Constance. I hope one day soon you can take uh, Andrew and me so we can film their story because that's a beauty, isn't yes, it? Yes, please. That would be great to do that. Yeah, the story of Huss and Jerome. Well, well, thank you again, uh, Pastor Harker, and we'll look forward to another story in the not-too-distant future. Sure. All the best. Yeah, bye-bye. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. One of the great stories, Hunty. Indeed. I really enjoyed that one. I, I enjoyed the last, I enjoyed Huss, and then I enjoyed Her- Jerome. <laughs> Jerome. Jerome. Yeah. Man, I hope that if, if COVID would clear up, and man, we're not doing real well. Did you, do you know that yesterday in our suburb here in Schofield, 42% people have COVID? Oh, no wonder I'm I mean, quarantining today. Isn't it? Yeah, wow. But if COVID would, if COVID would clear up, I would love to get over there with uh, Harold mm, Parker as great. our guide yep. and tell that story of Huss and Jerome. It truly is one of the great stories of faith in the Protestant Reformation. Mm. I really mm. am enjoying having, having Harold on our program. Yeah, me too. He's full of so much wisdom. Now, this next song comes but, from... But, uh, but, but, but just before, can I give a plug for Aussie Pastor? You can, but... We kind of are full, aren't we? We're pretty full today, actually. True. Does that does that mean? Okay, if they send you a question today and we don't get to it, we'll get to it next week. That's a promise. Is that a promise? I always store them up. Yep. Yep. I think I think you better give a okay. All righty, we've got space for a couple more questions, and you can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us info at aussiepasta dot com. Hey, Hunty. Yep. Have you been to Solomon Islands? I have. Great place. Have you been to Betty Karma School? I have. What a great school. What was it about Betty Karma School that, you know, fascinated you? Oh, my goodness. Look, you're going to laugh. I absolutely love, and and to our listeners, I'll have to explain this, I absolutely love the thong bamboo band. They just, it's such an awesome instrument. They've got all these kids with thongs, and they've got all these organ pipes cut from bamboo, and they slap the end of them with the thong and they make the most beautiful music. Oh, it's such a joy to listen to. Okay, I never saw that when I was there. I wish I had it. Oh, my goodness. You know what fascinated me the most about Betty Karma? What's that? A sitting smack bang at the end of an airport. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's right at the end of the runway. Yep. If the plane doesn't break properly, it'll be in the girls' dorm. <laughs> yes, um, true, true. This song, Jerusalem, is sung by the Betty Karma. Yep. College Choir. It's a ripper too. We've played it before, I think, once, but they really, really are great, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think you'll enjoy this song. It's singing about Jerusalem, not Jerusalem 
over here, but the new Jerusalem in heaven. This is the Betty Karma School Choir.
stirring song. Very stirring song. Um, are you there, Hansi? Yes, I was just enjoying it. You, you, oh, I see. It's got a long tail to it. Not anymore. I'm, just faded it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting in early. It's That's beautiful. what happens when we're not in together. Yeah, it's a really nice song. How nice is that song? Wow. Um, once a year, actually, New Hope Adventist Church here in Sydney, which we belong to, and I pastor, it, um, we, we run a great big hymn sing. Yes. And my wife and some of her friends at the last hymn sing sang that song, and it really is a beautiful song as you start to imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. And I talked to a mate of mine who has just found out in the last few days, I talked to him this morning that he's dying of cancer. Oh, dear. And I talked to him about make sure that if you go through this difficult time, don't lose sight of where we're going. We're only here for a very short time. We're going to the new Jerusalem. We're going to be with Jesus where there'll be no more pain and no more death. And I think if you're out there and you're listening to our radio program today and you're in a bad place and, and maybe you too have got a, a, a disease, a, a sickness that will lead to death, don't lose hope. It's not the end. You can look up. Jesus is coming, there will be resurrection, and as long as he is your saviour, you do have a future. Now, Hunty, mm. where are we up to, my we friend? we got some very, very challenging questions for you today, including including a personal pastor. one. A personal one. Yes, ask the Aussie pastor indeed. Well, personal ones don't worry me. No, no. I don't like it, I just don't answer it. <laughs> There's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get started? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's All right. Is it okay for a church to change its doctrines? For example, the Worldwide Church of God went from Saturday worshipping to Sunday. Well, that's that's not a doctrine doctrinal change I'd agree with, and I think they did do that. They were once a Sabbath keeping really they went to Sunday. Yeah, look, it is okay for a church to change its doctrines. In fact, it should change its doctrines if the doctrines they hold are not biblical, and they find out what the Bible truth is. So, yeah, for sure, if, if, if I belong to a church and we, we believe a certain doctrine and then we discover in the Bible that that's not how it is, of course you should change because it's not the church that defines what truth is, it's the Bible. True, true. And so it's the Bible that defines truth. And actually I belong to a church that's changed a few doctrines through the years, Hunty. The Adventist church, now a lot of Adventists don't even recognise this, but early on probably the majority, and I say back in the 1800s, Probably the majority of the people in our church would have believed in um, the anti-Trinitarian doctrines. And we certainly changed that when we found out the truth as our church developed. Mm. We also were stuck very much in legalism, and we changed that as the wonderful truths of, uh, of grace, grace and yep. righteousness by faith dawned on us so there's nothing wrong in fact you want to belong to a church that is prepared to change its doctrines if the bible says so and if that church won't change its doctrines when the bible says what they believe and teach is wrong then you need to find and i'll say this outright up front you need to find a church that will and is prepared to follow the bible yeah so there you go very good the church can change its doctrines if that change is in uh, accordance with what the Bible teaches and advances. Does that make sense? It does. It does. All righty. Next question. This is a bit sad. Um, What if someone never hears the name of Jesus and yet are a good person? Will they be saved? That's a really good question. Mm. 
the first point I'd say is being a good person's got nothing to do with being saved. Mm-hmm. True. It's whether or not you've chosen Jesus as your saviour and he will make you a good person. A lot of people have asked me that question through the years. What happens to all those who have ever never heard the name of Jesus? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And in some sense, I don't have to know, and nor do you. True. Because we're not the judge. That's right. We don't describe, we, we, we don't, we, we don't decide who is and isn't saved. When you get into the judgment of the salvation of other human beings, you're in a territory you should never go, hunty. Yep. And so I don't think, I, I make a practice, and I really try to, of never trying to decide who is and who isn't saved, because who am I to? To decide, yep. and, and and secondly, I, I I even try to hold to that in my own mind. Does that make sense, Hunty? Yes. I, I yes. don't even in my own mind want to start no. judging who is and who isn't saved. Someone once said that when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised who's up there, <laughs> and then they said, and there's a lot of people going to be That's surprised it. that you're up there too. That's why so I'm laughing. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to cop out of that. Yep. But you're asking me, whoever asked that question, God bless you, mm-hmm. but you're asking me a question I have no right, I have no authority to answer. And it's not a cop-out, it's not an easy way, it's just a fact. I can't even tell you my church who's saved and who isn't. No. I can't even tell you my family who's saved and who isn't. We I dare mean, not. I can guess, I can guess, but but I, I can't know, and, and nor should I be mm. in any way um, vocalising. Only the Lord knows the heart. Yeah, mm. okay, mate. All right, moving on. Um, does God have a physical appearance? Well, God is a spirit. There's no doubt about that. And what is a spirit? Well, it's not physical as we understand human beings to be physical. But he does He does choose to reveal himself often in a human form. And you can see that in a number of places in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. He does it. In the book of Daniel, he does it, where you get these descriptions of, of God. Uh, is God physical? No. Does he look like a human? Well, he, he sometimes reveals himself in, in human form, but what does he actually look like? Look, again, you're getting into an area I can't answer, Hunty. What about, what about the Bible says myself. we're made in his image? It's not talking, if you go back to the original... Um, Hebrew there and yep. Aramaic, well, it's yep. Hebrew there in Genesis. It's not talking about his physical ah, It's talking about it. his image, the ability to make choices. See, I make a choice between right and wrong, good and bad. My dog doesn't. My dog just acts on instinct. That's not always good instinct either, auntie. <laughs> I know your dog. Staffy. <laughs> <sighs> Weighs about 60 kilo, loves human beings to death, but kills every other living animal if he can on the planet. Can, can be so dumb as a bag of hammers too. <laughs> yeah, he is not bright. Some would say like his own. <laughs> but I'm made in the image of God, so I am bright. That's it. That dog's not made in the image of God. He works on instinct. I, I Look, there's a certain amount of instinct inside of me too, but i got to rise above that. I work, uh, um, I make choices for right and wrong, unlike my dog does. I am influenced by darkness on one side and God on the other. I, I am a being made in his image, and that's what that means. It's not talking about, oh, God has a nose or ears or eyes or he breathes with lungs or has blood running through his veins like I do, because clearly he does not, but he does hear mm. and he does see and Amen. he life. Indeed. All right, this next question is a ripper. Are you, this is to you, Pastor Lloyd, are you scared of death? 
Is this a personal one? Yeah, question four. I won't tell you who it's from, but they want to know, are you scared of death? Nope. Not at all. But I'm a little bit hesitant about how I'm going to die. Right. Death itself is just a sleep. I think, Hunty, we did a program on that this week, didn't we? We did. Should be should be out soon. Yeah, if you if you if you're a Facebook follower of ours of the Aussie pastor, you'll see it. And and how do they? Be, where, where do you go, Hunty? To yeah, if you like to if you like to see the Aussie pastor's program on death, you can go to our Facebook page, which is if you just type into Facebook search engine. If you just type in Aussie pastor or Lloyd Gollum, it'll come up. If you want to find him same on YouTube, YouTube, yeah, same, same with thing. YouTube. Just type in Aussie pastor, or if you're just going to go to Google, you can type in "find Jesus" one word, and it'll take you straight to our portal as well. Now that program's not out yet, so don't go there. No, I'm still editing. I'm still editing. I, th- I think it'll be out this week for sure. By at least Friday night, for, probably Back, for let's, Friday let's, night. Yep. Let's say Friday night, hunting. That's Wait. when it'll be out. Yes. Yeah. It's a ripper. What was the question? Oh, am I scared of death? Nah, but. <laughs> I, I am a little bit hesitant about how I'm going to go there because there's some nasty ways to die, hunting. There are. There are. Really nasty that are great. To, I mean, as I was telling you early on this program, one of my mates is dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. That's another, um, not a nice way to go. go through great, as you know. I'm not going to share too much here, but as you know, hunting great physical Many challenges. challenges. My yep. dad, I can share this, just in the last four months, he's gone into a nursing home because he can't walk. Yep. He's stuck in a bed. So so I'm more afraid of that sort of stuff than I am of death itself. Yep. Death itself is just asleep, you know, nothing. Um, but it's how you get there. And I suppose even on that one, we've got to comfort ourselves that we go to death if we're believers and we've asked Jesus into our hearts. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm mm. born again. We go to death walking with him. He's going to have to trust, like he has millions before us, that he'll take us there gently. Yes. All right, moving to the next question. Do you believe the SDA, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is the true church and all others are false? No, 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 I don't. I used to, believe it or not, Hunty. That all of us are false. Yeah, I did. I used to think that. Wow. Kind of a bit ashamed of that. Um, I'm an Adventist because I don't know any other... I'll say this openly. I don't know any other church that adheres closer to the Bible than our one. In fact, I was talking to uh, a, a pastor the other day. Um, I'm just trying to remember who he was. I think it... Anglican it, pastor, it, was it? Sorry? Was it an Anglican it pastor? Ang- well, it was either Anglican or Pentecostal. It might have been a Pentecostal. I can't remember exactly because I, I talked to my fellow pastors and he said something that made me... It was the Anglican guy, hunting, <laughs> And he said something to me that made me really proud in a good way. He said, you know what you Adventists are known for? And I'm thinking, oh, no. Yeah, vegetarianism. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with vegetarianism, mate. You and me are vegetarians. Don't drink, don't smoke. Built like, built like Mally Balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he said, you guys are known for your uh, fidelity to the Bible. Yep, that's nice. I really like that, mate. So that's why I'm an Adventist, because I can't find any other group of people that are closer to Scripture and stay closer to the Bible when it comes to doctrine and beliefs in Adventism. But I'm not silly. I don't, for one minute, try to make out our church is perfect, either doctrine, and it's certainly not perfect with the people in it, because you and me are in it, hunty. That's it. Um, <laughs> but that's why I'm an Adventist. But there are millions and millions of God's people in Christian denominations all across the world, and... Uh, Eventually, he will call us to one, uh, and that might be at the second coming, hunty. True. When the trumpet sounds, and True. we will become one. 
but we are tied together by some marvellous, wonderful doctrines. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, righteousness by faith, Jesus atoning death on the cross. Yes. These are things that tie Christianity together. Yes. But I like what Adventism has to offer when it comes to the second coming. You know, the Bible preaches and teaches a literal second coming. We believe it. I like what Adventism says about after you die, hunty. You yeah, go to too. sleep. Me Why? Too. Because that's what the Bible says. Um, I like the Sabbath because that's what the Bible says, and so that's why I'm an Adventist. But know that God has his true people everywhere, Hunty. True. All right, moving on. This is a ripper and a very, a very timely question about Noah's How flood. How many questions have we got left just so I can uh, set my head? This one plus three more. Okay. We may have to cut it short because we're running a bit behind schedule too. Ah, oh, keep going. Keep bro. going. All right. Never, Do you cut, be- <laughs> never cut the Aussie pasta short. All right. Do you I mean, believe ask the Aussie pasta? <laughs> you can cut the Aussie pasta short. Just oh not yeah, ask the Aussie I did that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Plus, yeah, I have do. the master mute button today as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You have it every week, bro. Yeah, but you can't reach over. You can't reach over this week and get him, man. <laughs> Here we go. Do you believe in the worldwide flood, or is it just a story, just a parable? Oh, of course I do. Everywhere we go, hunty, we see evidence of it. True. I've just I've just got into these cave diving. I was preaching about it on Sabbath on on YouTube. These ca- cave diving videos where these guys go into these caves and they force their way through these little restrictions, little gaps. And of course, as you know, I'm claustrophobic, yep. hunty, and it's freaking me out. Yep. But they're in these caves, hundreds of meters. Sometimes, you know. Three, four hundred, five hundred meters underground, and they're finding fossils of living animals that shouldn't be in that cave. Well, of course they are because there was a worldwide flood. What do we see when we went to to, to the Grand Canyon oh, shooting, Hunty? Yes, and the Dead I mean, Sea. If that thing wasn't grooved out by a worldwide flood, how did it get there? Yeah. When they when you look at the Colorado River going through there, yep. the guide says, Oh well that river gouged this out over millions of years. I'm going, nah. That don't make no sense, mate. <laughs> uh yeah, definitely there was a worldwide flood. The evidence for it, if your eyes are open, are just everywhere. In fact, I reckon let's get someone on in the next few weeks, Hunty. Yep. There's an expert yep. in this area. Maybe Can Sven. you write this down? Yeah, Doctor Sven maybe. Well, get someone anyway. Yes. There's an expert in this area can talk about the worldwide flood. Yeah, I will. All right, moving on. Uh, this next question is probably part of a previous question, but here goes. Are you confident, this is to you, Lloyd, are you confident you will get to heaven because I'm not? Yeah, I am. And there's only one reason, because I know I get to heaven because of Jesus and his righteousness and his works, and not my own. And I ask him to be my saviour, and when I ask him to be my saviour, his righteousness and his works, his character, his perfection is what is judged in the in the judgment, not mine. Yep. So because I'm judged on Jesus, because I've chosen him as my saviour, I'm very, very confident. I can say like Paul, I know who I have believed. True. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that. What have I given him? My heart. Yes. To keep that which I've given unto him against that day. Yes, I'm confident, not in myself. If I was to look at myself, I'd give up in despair. Mm, me too. But because I'm looking to Jesus to save me, I'm very confident. All righty. Second I like last that question. It's a ripper. I couldn't care if that question was every week. Yep. Yeah, Second last beautiful. question. Um, what evidence do you have that God exists? Uh, you know, Romans 1, if you, if you get a chance to our listeners... Read Romans chapter 1 where Paul says there's no excuse for not believing God exists. 
He says, everywhere you look in nature, you can see the evidence of God, the creator, and his existence. And I, I, I would concur with Paul. Again, I love Paul. We're looking forward to talking to Paul when we get to the kingdom. There is no doubt, there is no doubt that creation is a testimony to God's existence. But I really know God exists because of my personal relationship with him, the way he talks to me in my Bible study, my prayer, and he leads me, and he disciplines me, hunty. Oh, same. I don't get disciplined <laughs> by pie-in-the-sky non-existence. I know God exists because of the relationship, primarily because of the relationship I have with him. But, hunty, as we travel around the world when we get the opportunity and we see all the marvellous things out there, we often look at each other and say, look at God, isn't yep. he amazing? True, true that. Yeah. All right, last question. What doctrines determine whether a church is Christian or not? That's a good one. Mm. Um, one doctrine, that you're prepared to accept the Bible as the anvil that defines truth. How's that, Hunty? That sounds good. Yeah. I, I don't want to pick one doctrine out above any others. I suppose if you'd pick one out, it'd have to be Jesus, God, getting off his throne and coming down and dying on the cross for us. That's the pinnacle of all doctrines that everything else is built on. But really, if you're a Christian church or denomination, then you're going to believe that the Bible is what defines truth. And more than that, then you're going to follow it. There you go, hunty. Well, that's it. So that's Ask the Aussie Pastor. Now, before you hit the button, yep. one more time, if they've got questions, what yes, can they do? Yes, send them to us. Text them to us on 0488 880 or email them to us, info at aussiepastor.com. Listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, hunty. Yep. We're getting a bit of a delay in that push the button thing. Is that me or is that uh, you? Or? I've got a couple of things not going my way today. Because <laughs> ah, I noticed that. Do you find I'm, a bruise? Are you enjoying pushing on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I see you pushing, 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 and nothing seems to, A couple of times nothing's happening. So being in the new studio, I suppose, we're going to give you a bit of a break little, little, today. Little teething issues. Yep. Hey, it's time for a song. This is a beauty, this song. It is. At Calvary. In fact, this is my second favourite song. This is a Collingsworth family. They sing beautiful music, Hunty. Yep. I uh, wish we could get them to Australia, then you and I could go to the concert with yes, our please. wives. Yes, please. That'd be nice. Anyway, this is a beautiful song, and the words are beautiful. Listen to the words and enjoy the music at Calvary by the Collingsworth family. Years I spend in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me he died On Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Word at last my sin I learned 
Pastor John Carter. He is an evangelist, a pastor for over 60 years, has a very intimate knowledge of both Russia and Ukraine. Thank you very much for joining us from the United States, uh, Pastor Carter. A pleasure to be here, Pastor. Now, you're an Australian working in the United States, is that correct? Uh, Yes, that is true. And you have a television, a media ministry that goes worldwide? Uh, Yes. Now, the reason I've got you on is because I know you've been to Russia and Ukraine many times. Tell us a bit about that. How many times have you been to Russia and Ukraine, and why did you go there? I've had the privilege of going to those great countries 49 occasions. Wow. Uh, I've gone there because of urgent invitations to preach the gospel of Christ. I went there especially during the days of the collapse of the old Soviet Union when people by the millions were in a state of hopelessness and were crying out for God. So you were running programs there? Yes, I've had 
the privilege of running programs in many of the major cities like Moscow, St. Petersburg, Volgograd, Kazan, and uh, the major cities also of, of Ukraine, Kiev, Alkov, uh, Odessa, Nepropetrovsk, uh, Zaporozhye, and so forth. Just to give our listeners some idea of the sort of meetings they were, they, they were evangelistic. In other words, you're talking about Jesus. Uh, how many people would turn up to these meetings? Uh, when we talk about evangelistic meetings, they were not the normative evangelistic meetings. They were meetings that were de- designed specifically and especially for atheists and unbelievers. Because in those days, Russia and Ukraine was, la- they were largely composed of, of infidels. And uh, in my meetings with the KGB and the professors at Moscow University, we talked to them about the, uh, the evidences for believing in God. Uh, evidences from astronomy, archaeology, and so forth. And, uh, in those meetings, uh, we would have uh, relatively large crowds. Uh, in Kiev, for instance, we used the downtown Palace of Sport uh, that seated 12,000 or so. Uh, that was packed night after night, week after week, multiple sessions. Uh, for the opening day, a hundred thousand people were unable to get into the meetings, uh, and such such a uh, a phenomenon was repeated across the old Soviet Union, Moscow, Saint Petersburg, uh, vast crowds of people, cumulatively speaking, millions of people. Alrighty. I don't start out by talking to people about Jesus. Um, it's not, not much good talking to people about Jesus and the blood of Jesus if they don't believe that Jesus existed. Yep. And so I would spend the first four or five, six meetings on uh, Christian apologetics the reasons that a thinking person who still has got a brain left in his head can believe. Um, and then as we moved along, we moved into, into great gospel themes, um, truly great gospel themes, the, the great messianic prophecies concerning Christ. And we saw... Uh, hundreds of thousands of unbelievers come to Christ, become true believers. So they really, they really, it, it was a great privilege for them in the end to hear the, the story of Jesus, and, and a lot of them accepted him with joy. Uh, a greater privilege for me to preach to them. Uh, the Russians and the Ukrainians were the best audiences I've spoken to. And I've spoken to heaps of audiences in the United States and Australia and other Western countries. But none of the Western countries 
uh, at least at that stage, had the intellectual or spiritual capacity such as was exhibited by the Russians and the Ukrainians. They would bring their notebooks and they would take notes and you could speak to them for a solid hour or an hour and a half and not a person would move. They were not turned off by intellectual arguments to believe in God. The very, very opposite of the typical American Australian audience today. Yeah, yeah. Which is tough going, these nations of ours. Look, you've been there 50 odd times. You have a, a, a very good working knowledge of the Russian and the Ukrainian people. I'm just trying to give our listeners of a, an idea today of, of the experiences that they're going through and the difficulties and the challenges of it. Are Ukrainians and Russians, are they the same ethnic people or are they quite different? No, they're very much the same. They're like the Australians and the New Zealanders only more so. They have the same spiritual roots. They have the same background. Okay. So this war now that's unfolding there is really almost a civil war. Am I, is that right or is that, am I not saying that right? Well, I don't know if I'd call it a civil war because Ukraine is its own independent nation. Ukraine used to be called the Ukraine. It was a part of the old Union of Soviet Socialists Republics. So it was a republic within the big scope of the USSR. But the Russians and the Ukrainians speak very similar language. Ukrainian is very much like Russian. Uh, in Ukraine, virtually everybody would speak Russian as well as Ukrainian. They are, uh, to see them you won't be able to tell the difference. But they are, as I'm hearing you, they are actually two separate nations. Yes, yes. Certainly today, yes, today. Okay. What is your take of the war in Ukraine? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a big question. Uh, of course, I'm horrified. Yeah. I'm horrified to see the devastation of a, of a country that I've been to so many times. I know these people. I've got many friends there. Um, I'm in contact with them. Uh, I mean, at least some of my friends. I think it is a tremendous tragedy. It is the, the greatest threat to world peace and to world stability since the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. Very serious. Um, you said you've got friends over there, Pastor. Um, how is the church in Ukraine going as this war rages around it? it it's, it's devastating. Um, I was talking, now I, I can't mention people by name, but we have a ministry now that is trying to bring some relief to the people of Ukraine. We're working on that right now. Uh, almost as as we speak, um, but it's devastating. You you see the images on CNN. Vast areas of of the country have been reduced to ruin. Kharkov, yes. I call it Kharkiv. Yes. 
Uh, we've run huge meetings there. Uh, much of the city has been flattened. You imagine Sydney. Everything had been was being flattened. And so many people are dying. So many soldiers are dying. It appears that between 7,000, this is what NATO says, between 7,000 and 15,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. And remember, the vast majority of these Russian soldiers don't want to be there. They didn't even know that they were going to be killing the Ukrainians. So it's, it's, it's an horrific event, and, and people there are suffering terribly. Is the Russian church able to help their brothers in Ukraine under siege? The Russian nation and... Um, Ukrainian nation at present, as far as politics are concerned, in which we will not descend, but they are now two independent nations at war with each other. And so the Russian church will not be having a great deal of correspondence with the Ukrainian church. Largely, the Ukrainian church can't communicate with anybody. And as for the Russian church trying to help them, I don't know how they could. It is a war. I mean, we... It is a bloody, monstrous, barbaric war. And um, the worst could still be to come. Um, the way the, the US government is, is planning for the, the dreadful possibility of nuclear weapons getting involved or chemical weapons. Now, uh, because of my Australian background, I'm perfectly aware of the attitude among most of our Australian friends that she'll be right mate. But this time, she just may not be right mate. If, if, if Ukraine explodes because... Uh, President Putin is not going to back down under any circumstances, the scenario could be somewhat a disturbing and frightening scenario. So how do you see this war unfolding? Or is that, a, is that an impossible question? Uh, it's, it, it calls for a great deal of speculation. It calls for uh, a prophet to try to answer it. And that's not possible under these circumstances. Uh, we do know this, that Russia is bleeding terribly. The massive sanctions against the Russian people are hurting the average Russian person. Thousands of Russians are fleeing the country every day. Thousands are leaving every day. Even the infamous oligarchs have got on their jets and they've jetted out of their, uh, out of Russia and they've gone to safe havens. We know this. Um, the, the famous uh, Economist magazine speaks about the new Stalinization of, of Russia. Um, May this not happen. May this not happen. 
Uh, and then we have, of course, the the terrible bloodshed in Ukraine and the amazing resilience of the Ukrainian people and the amazing resilience of the Ukrainian army and air force. Um, unless there is some conciliation, it could end in a an ever-growing catastrophe. It already is a catastrophe. But if it spreads into NATO, then we will have ended, we will have entered the times of the apocalypse. So it would be fair to say that the church, we should be praying every day for this situation. Yes, the church ought to be praying, but the church in the Western world, as you know and I know, is a pretty sleepy organization. I uh, um, I received an email today uh, from Australia and the and the burden of the email was not prayers for Ukraine or for the Russian people but for a church picnic. Well it's very 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 nice. But it seems to indicate a people that are sadly divorced from the reality of the situation. And this may be one occasion when she'll be right, mate, just may not work. Do you, as you think about this situation, I guess I'm asking you a few prophetic questions which are very difficult to answer. Do do you have a sense that you'll ever go back to Ukraine or Russia to preach? Or do you think perhaps your time in these beautiful countries with these beautiful people is finished. Well, we have a plan that we can't divulge. Um, We don't think we should run away from this situation. Uh, It has been said that there are... The Australians many years ago spoke about three sexes. Men, women and clergymen. Now, clergymen have been known quite often in some parts of the world, in the Western world, as rather wimpy types of individuals. You know this is so. But the Ukrainian pastors have got guts. Um, I've been in touch with them. Some of them have lost their, their homes. They're not running away. They're saying, in parts of Ukraine today, the churches that have survived are standing and they're full of people. And so the church in uh, Ukraine is a church that now one could be very proud to be a part of. They're people of courage, they're people of faith, and they're people who've got old-fashioned guts and they're not running away. They're not talking about the next potluck and the next picnic. Nothing wrong with picnics and potlucks, but if that is your, if that is your understanding of Christianity, then you are completely unchristian. Because the Christian message calls for a concerted effort 
to help in this situation. Um, do we hope that we go back there one day? Well, absolutely. I'd go back tomorrow if I could get permission. Is there is there any way we can help the beleaguered Ukrainian church? Yes, there is. And I'm you're talking to thousands of Australians right now and, and people all around the world. I'm just wondering, what could we do? What can I do to help the... I want to say... Oh, send, send money. Send money. Yeah, don't, don't, don't just pray. A prayer yeah. is prayer is important. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves the hand of God. But, you know, we, we live in a rather insipid type of Christian, Christianity. When I went to Russia back in 91 and ran this big campaign in Moscow, when the Soviet Union was still ruling, I felt honoured to meet real Christians. Yeah. They had guts, they had courage, they had love, they had compassion, and they weren't wimps. It was amazing. I came back to America dazed and amazed by my experience. And what we ought to do is pray, 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 but send, send, send. Write checks, send money, and the money can go to... Uh, we're working with an organization that we cannot divulge on this program. But I've been in contact with them today, and we are going, we're moving, we're getting money that's going to purchase stuff, and it's going to go into Ukraine. In the Right now, we're in the midst of buying a big bus and a big van that's going to be carrying stuff. Now, there are other organizations. You can see them on television all the time. But it's best if, if you want to help the Christians uh, that you work with a Christian organization. But let me say this. When, we go, when you and I go to help people, we don't ask, do they go to church? Are they members of, of some religion? We help people, whether they're atheists or communists, and doesn't matter who they are. But there's uh, an organization called ADRA, A-D-R-A, you can go online and look it up. That's a very reputable organization. And then, of course, there are other Christian organizations. But don't sit around and wait. Send money. And don't send $10 either. If that's all you've got, then send it. Uh, I had a man send me an email today, uh because of our television program, he said, uh, we're immediately sending 10000 Thank you. That's fine. That's good. But that's not a lot of money for him because he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. I'm going to suggest that he turns it into at least 100000 People are dying. Children are dying. Churches are burning. Churches we have built have been raised to the ground. So, you know, the Lord has various ways of shaking us out of our state of selfish complacency and war and famine and disasters are some of his tools. We may have them soon in America. No country is less prepared for the future than Australia. Imagine if Australia got into a war with Russia or China, 
How long would they last? These are very sobering times. It's no longer business as usual. I remember an old evangelist, he told me, he went to church and the preacher spoke on the birds of the Bible. <laughs> the birds of the Bible. My friend said, if I'd had a gun, I would have shot every one of them. <laughs> we don't want sermons on birds of the Bible. We want to preach the gospel of Christ. And people, if you want my honest opinion, uh, they need to be sending what they can. If a little old lady's got $10, let her send it. If a wealthy businessman, he's got $50 million in the bank, let him send $20 million. Well, this has been a very interesting, a very sobering interview, Pastor Carter, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Could, could I ask you in another couple of weeks, or if something big goes down, um, because we are speaking to thousands, maybe millions around the world, could we come back and, and get an update from you in the not-too-distant future? Sure. Well, God bless you. God bless your ministry. And uh, God bless the beautiful people of Russia and Ukraine. I wonder if I could ask you, even though we're live on radio here, whether you'd be prepared to pray for the for the Ukrainians and the Russians. And, and remember this, the Russians are not our enemies. No. They're not. The Russian people have had no part in this. The Russian soldiers, are, on the whole, they're just poor young men. If they don't do what they're told, they get shot. So let's stop, you know, we should have no hate towards the Russians. Uh, I know, I've known so many Russians that are decent, good people. So this is a case of some uh, very undesirable characters who've started this war. But we should love the Russian people, we should love the Ukrainian people. But we should rise up and no longer uh, think that this is business as usual, because it isn't. I think this is more serious than the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, I do too. Okay, let's have a break. I, 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 have, a, I have a very foreboding sense about this whole thing. Well, I, I hope that our sense on that is, is wrong, because yeah. I know how, how serious... The situation is, I've been to all of these places. I've seen the old nukes in Ukraine. Um, I've spoken to the leaders of the KGB, as it used to be called. I know their thinking, and I know the state of disarray in American politics and other countries around the world. So this is a very perilous time. <coughs> And we need to be saying more than what's for lunch. Amen. Well, will you pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We can come to you today that you are the Lord but of the universe. We thank you that Mr. Putin is not in charge, but that Jesus is still Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We pray for your people in Ukraine. We think of the cities that have been devastated like Kharkov and Kiev that has taken a tremendous battering. We thank you for the courage of the Ukrainian people. We pray that you'll bless them. 
We pray also, our Father, that you will bless the Russian people because the Russian people did not want this war. In fact, they didn't even know it was a war. They've been told it's simply a military operation. We pray that you'll protect your church in Ukraine and your church in Russia. And we pray that as you spoke to the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, you'll speak to the heart of Vladimir Putin. And may he draw back his troops, and may there be peace. We pray that you'll bless us all, and help us to realize that this is closing time in the history of the human race, and the prophecies are being fulfilled, and Jesus is coming. We pray that you will bless us and cover us with the grace of God and put your word in our hearts and help us to respond as true believers in the everlasting God to help your people at this time. We pray that you will bless Pastor Groleman, bless dear Andrew, bless their families. Bless this audience. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Pastor John Carter, for your time, and we look forward to talking with you again shortly. God bless you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. I'm a little sorry. We had some teething problems during that interview. We did. Uh, I've got equipment here that's a bit on fire. (laughs) And uh, my voice went a bit funny. Is it back to normal? (laughs) Yeah, you sound good now. <laughs> I don't know that I ever sound good, but I was a bit reedy and a bit squeaky toward the end of that video, uh, uh, that interview. Anyway, hey, mate, um, we're going to sing a song. We're not going to sing it, but it's a beautiful song. It's again back to Gaither, The King is Coming. Mm. I reckon that's a pretty appropriate song as I uh, listen to Pastor Carter in that very sobering video. The King is Coming, Gaither. is empty No more traffic in the streets All the builders' tools are silent No more time to harvest Busy housewives cease their labors In the courtrooms No debate Work on earth has been suspended as the king comes through the gate. The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Praise God. 
woes that he has mended those from prison he set free little children and the aged hand in hand stand all alone those who are Okay, beautiful song. Wow. Um, yep, Jesus is coming. And I think when we see all these bad things happening around the world, especially to Ukrainian people at the moment, what Putin is doing to them, it's very hard to, to understand. Um, the suffering, the death, and it seems to me such a senseless, stupid, silly war. But that is the way of things in our world, and... It's good to know that Jesus is coming and there will be a day and it won't be long when he'll put all a great stop to all this nonsense. Mm. Uh, I just want to share a little passage of scripture uh, with our listeners today before we finish the program, Hunty. Yep. And it's found in Matthew chapter 12. Can you get that up for us? Yep. I want you to read verse 43 to 45. But before you do, the context here, 
when you make a decision to follow Jesus and you go through a genuine, rigid-ditch, fair-dinkum conversion, it's really a marvellous thing. Uh, puts you on top of the mountain. You are free at long last. You're filled with the Spirit. It is an amazing experience to have a conversion to Jesus Christ. But what people find is after a week or two or three or four, a month or two, they start to wander and they end up actually in a worse place, say a month or two down the track, Hunty, mm. than they were when they first started off. Have you ever experienced that in your own life? I've seen it. It's uh, it's shocking. I've experienced it. I ain't seen it, mate. I've seen it in my own life many, many times. Mm. Uh, especially in my younger day. You've never had that happen to you, mate? We've had a conversion and then I've you've... Seen it. I've seen it more clearly in people that I've seen get baptised and converted to to the Lord Jesus. I've seen the attacks on them straight after their baptism. No, this is this is kind of what happens when within a week or two or three or four... It is a, this is an attack, so you, you're correct. But it's something I think most of us, if we were to reflect on our lives, would acknowledge, well, some of us maybe not as freely, but we'll acknowledge we've been through it. Oh, yeah, I have. We've had this happen. For sure. Well, we've been on fire for Christ, and then the fire goes out, and we actually end up doing things worse than what we were doing before we met Christ. It's a pretty unsettling experience. Mm. Well, Jesus talks about it, and he gives us the answer to this uh, experience, if you're having it. Now, Matthew chapter 12 Read it straight through, Hunty, verse sure. 43 to 45. What version are you in, mate? Uh, NLT. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Um, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Just stop there for a, a second, yep. Hunty. Yep. An evil spirit only leaves a person when that person is converted. Right. So what the Bible says when someone is conversion converted, that evil spirit has to leave and ends up in the desert. Okay, go on. Okay, then it says... I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. What? Yeah. So an evil spirit returns finds everything sorted out. Because when Jesus comes into your house, into your heart, he rebuilds the rooms, he puts everything back together, he heals you. He he just makes things right again inside you, hunty. Mm-hmm. So this evil spirit comes back, brings seven other demons with him, and they all jump in to this person, and the person ends up worse than they were before they met Jesus. This is what happens to so many people. My question, and Hunty and I have not gone through this Bible study, mm. can you tell me why, Hunty, just looking at the passage there, that happens? No, I, I'm bewildered. I mean, I, I, I do know. Again, okay, verse 34. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from, so it returns and finds its former home empty, swept and in order. So why, why is a demon able to get back in there? Can you oh, well, now I get it. Because now, it's remember, empty. I haven't told him Because this. This the a, house is empty. Is, you hit the nail on the head. Oh, my goodness. The house is empty. So when Jesus is inside, yep. the, when you've had a conversion experience, Jesus is in the house. But if you slip away from that conversion experience, in other words, you're not spending time in your 
Bible as you were. You're not on your knees in prayer and you're not asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God. Then your house, auntie, yep. is empty, empty and the demon moves straight ah, in. Now I and understand. when he comes back in, he takes you to a worse place than you were to start off with. Well, it's not just him. He brings seven others of his mates with him. Wow. That's why it's so important. And we're going to talk about this more next week because we're running out of time today. Mm. But that's why it's so important to have a daily walk with Jesus. That means daily you're asking for the Holy Spirit. Daily you're in your pre- in the presence of Jesus with your Bible study and your prayer. And when you're daily with Jesus, when the demon comes back, hunty, mm-hmm. the house is full. That's right. He can't get in. Love so it. this little passage, all it's saying is have a daily walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. And when those demons come back, and they will, you can be sure you will be okay. The house is full and the demons can't get in. Our last song, Hunty. Mm, this wait, is my all-time favourite song. Really? I stand amazed. I'm not sure who's singing this. Amber you? Thompson. Who is? Amber Thompson. It's a Gaither again then. Yep. Yeah, indeed it is. Song. it is. Let's listen to it, Hunty. Sure. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned
That's a really, really beautiful song. Mm. And it's a very spiritual song. Talking about the amazing sacrifice of Jesus. And you know what, Hunty? Yep. In the end, that's what's going to get us out of here. Yep. That's that sacrifice of Jesus. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your saviour yet, then I'll tell you what you need to do. Get on your knees someplace where it's just you and him. Ask him into your heart and ask him to be your saviour. It's that simple. If you do that, what he did on the cross will be enacted for you and you will be saved. A lot of people don't get how easy this is, hunty. Mm. Just ask Jesus to be your saviour. Yes, he will send you the Holy Spirit like we've been talking about today. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on too. But he will send you the Holy Spirit. You will change. But you are saved from the moment you ask Jesus to come into your heart. Sobering program today, Hunty. Very. Yep. We've talked about some serious subjects. Um, mm. I couldn't help but be sobered as we're talking to Pastor Carter about mm. what's going on in the Ukraine yep. and uh, in Russia. Hey, Hunty. Yeah. If somebody wanted to follow up and do some more Bible studies and some more investigation into what's going on in the world and how to know Jesus, am I putting you on the spot? No, no. Email us. Email us. Info at AussiePastor.com. Yep. Or you can go to our website, uh, AussiePastor.com, or you can go to AussiePastor Facebook page. Uh, we'd and love to hear from you. You can send us a message through Facebook. You can go to uh, send us an email through info at AussiePastor.com, or you can find more Bible studies on these great topics at AussiePastor.com. Yeah, and we'll certainly head you in the right direction. For sure. Well, I've been glad you've been able to join us today. I'd like to close off a prayer, Hunty. Is mm, that all right? Nice. Yeah. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much that you're with us today as we talked about some really serious subjects. And like Pastor Carter said, I want to pray for the people in Ukraine. I want to pray for the people in Russia for this awful war. It's not the only one going on on this planet, Lord. There's a number of wars all over the place. We've got a lot of people hurting down here. We want to pray, Jesus, that you'll help us to finish the gospel, to take the news that you, you save so that you can come back and save us. Oh, Lord, that's very important to us. So thank you for, for hearing us. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for being with us today. And please be with our listeners, Lord, as uh, they go about their week now, we pray. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. Mm, amen. Well, Hunty, it's good to have you on board today. It's good to be together uh, even though we were apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're apart, all right, by by quite a distance this time. That's right. um, I'm, I'm actually headed out to my farm now because we've got another flood event about to happen. I'm not going to stay there, but I'll make sure everything's all right. We want to, again, thank you for joining us today. Yes, uh, thank you. My name is Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor. And, and my name's Hunty. Is, <laughs> yeah, and, and we love you. We do. We, we love you. Yeah, we love you a whole lot, but you know what? Yep. Jesus, he loves you so much more. See you next God time. God bless. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 